0: The Unbelievable Podcast. I am BJ Ridell. back here with my guy, Drew Maholt. And today, we are back, first and foremost, after taking a couple of show uh, bye week of our own. And we're back today to discuss the Dallas Cowboys. Very important matchup for your 500, 3-3 three three Minnesota Vikings, with Dallas coming to town on Sunday night football. So uh, this is an opportunity here for in a number of different ways. Of course, you know, playing under primetime lights, uh, it's an opportunity just, you know, to play well in front of a national crowd. But more importantly for us, uh, this is an opportunity to get over the 500 mark after starting a season where, you know, I think a couple weeks in, even drew and I were starting to push the idea of maybe this is a lost season. So you can really turn things around here. If you can get things straight against Dallas, you're playing at home at us bank stadium. There's a lot of things uh, in the Vikings favor for this one. That being said, uh, you are facing the number one offense in the NFL right now. So we will break this thing down. Uh, see if we can find a couple holes here. Uh see where we end up and then we'll do our picks like we typically do um for our thursday show so that's the game plan for today uh let's hop right into it here starting with dak prescott now before we even say anything about him uh as it stands as this recording wednesday night uh he is limited in practice uh i believe he's listed as questionable right now um it is our show's note, belief, and I believe just about everyone in Minnesota's belief that Dak Prescott's going to play on Sunday. So we're going to operate under the notion that he's going to be the quarterback. Mm-hmm. And he's a fine quarterback at that. Um, Drew and I have had discussions about the the you know the MVP of the league through you know seven weeks of play. Um, I don't think that Dak Prescott's too far short on that list. You know, if you think of the, there's the, I, there's the, of course, the, the popular names, the, the Kyler Murray, you know, the sexy seven and zero start, you know, you've got Josh Allen, who of course was a favorite for the the award last year, but you've got Dak here who's coming off of, and by the way, he's going to win, uh you know, comeback player of the year for sure. Like that's already locked in. You mm-hmm. can push a little bit further here with all the weapons that he has around him in Dallas.
1: Right. uh And just thought, like we said, Dallas offense is humming. They're the number one offense in the league right now. Um, and they got everybody healthy. They can do some damage. And, um, you know, it's, it's, there's a, an abundance of riches, uh, for, you know, Kellen Moore to work with here. You have Dak Prescott, you have, you know, top five overall pick Ezekiel Elliott at running back. You have first round receiver CD lamb. You have Amari Cooper. You have, uh, I believe Michael Gallup is coming back soon. I think, I don't know if it's this week, but, um, and then you have, uh, uh, what I like, and I think I'll get to later, but Tony Pollard has been mixed in there quite a bit too, running back. So, and of course, great offensive line, have been healthy. So, uh, this Dallas offense, you know, that's it's a big test for this Vikings team that, you know, the last few weeks they've been good, but they haven't been tested by, you know, juggernaut offenses. So this is kind of a big test here coming off the bye to see if this team kind of is ready to compete with the big boys.
0: Absolutely. So Dak, Dak Prescott basically has the perfect situation, right? Um, of course, he's, you know, a mid-round selection. I don't think – you know, there is definitely some analysts out there that had big things in store for for Dak Prescott, but I would say the vast majority did not expect it to turn out like this. Uh, and part of the reason why he has been so effective, it, it goes beyond the leadership and the talent and, you know, the overall feel for the game. He's also just got literally a perfect pocket to throw from. Like, he's got the running back, as you noted, and Ezekiel Elliott who – You know, I I understand that he's a bit of a polarizing figure because of his contract, but he's still top five in the league in rushing. So he's at the very least an above average NFL running back. Then you mentioned Tony Pollard as well, who people were discussing earlier this year, if he might be the better of the two, actually. So they basically have a 1A and a 1B in terms of talented running backs lining up behind them. Directly in front of Dak Prescott to block for him is one of the strongest offensive lines in recent memory, period. Uh, just in terms of the last 10 years or so, I mean, Tyrone Smith has been one of the best left, left tackles that I've ever seen play in the NFL, period. You've also still got Zach Martin there. Tyler Biadish at, the, at center is very solid. Connor Williams and Terrence Steele rounded out. And then, of course, Lyle Collins, who was suspended uh, this season. Uh, for I believe some some sort of lying and complications with a uh, a test a drug test, so uh, he mm-hmm. is working in there as well this week, and it kind of remains to be seen. You know, a lot of people are saying throw him in there, make him the starter. I think this is kind of a coaching moment too for Mike McCarthy, kind of easing him back in. Do you still deserve this role? So that being said, whether he starts or not, also a very good offensive lineman. So three out of the five absolute studs in front of Dak. And then, I mean, the playmakers surrounding him, Amari Cooper, CD Lamb. I mean, they're high pedigree players, both of them first rounders, of course. And they've also been serviceable, if not brilliant at the NFL level in terms of catching the football, scoring touchdowns, gaining yards, first right. downs, et cetera. He's got all the pieces in place to be one of the most dynamic offenses in the NFL, and to date, it is, in fact, number one.
1: Yeah, so in their in terms of total yardage, right, but even looking further than that, their uh, offensive line and pass protection has the number four PFF grade as a whole, Yep. and their offensive line and run blocking is the number one grade as a whole. PFF wise. Um, and then of course we'd look, I like to look more at yards per play offensively. I know that's not even perfect in itself because game flow can dictate things, but they're number three in yards per attempt passing and number three in yards per play or yards per carry running the ball. So there's that, I mean, all the way around the board, you name it, the Dallas Cowboys offense can get it done. So that's what I mean, you know, by this team, by the Vikings defense finally being tested here. They've played the Panthers. They've played the lions. They've played The Cleveland Browns who good, good offense, but certainly not the high powered, uh, you know, throw the ball over the yard, uh, capability that Dak Prescott has. And so I, 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 I worry about this team and I even look back to 2019 when this defense played at Dallas, they did get the win, but Dak Prescott had his way with the Vikings that day. I think 400 yards, he had any throw he wanted to Mike Hughes was picked on all day long. And so I uh, obviously Mike Hughes is no longer in Minnesota, but I feel like the Cowboys could kind of pick up where, where they left off there. Um, and I'm afraid of that happening.
0: You know, it's certainly not an ideal week for Patrick Peterson to be out as well, by the way, mm-hmm. of course, coming into the bye, he injured that hamstring and he's currently on IR. Um, hopefully hopeful to return in the near future, but unfortunately you won't have him for this game. So it's going to be cam Dantzler out there and it's going to be Bashad Breeland. Now, I know that I know that Dansler's had his moments this year, but he's also kind of been a part-time player. That's concerning in and of itself. Bashad Breland, we went through on the last show that we did that he's been great over the last 3 weeks, but I think a lot of us aren't blind to the first 3 weeks that he played in Minnesota and, you know, it's concerning, right? When you've got your top 2 corners out there who you've not only seen be beaten in recent
1: Yeah. There's red flags. I mean, and that's that's it's the NFL accurate. to a yeah. degree. here's the thing: the cornerback position is much better now uh, than it was last year at this time, 100. That's right. Uh, but against CD Lamb and against Amari Cooper, that's a tall task for this duo of corners to to go up against. After again, the last few weeks, you haven't had much to you know much of a battle really. So that's my concern. How do you you know take care of Amari Cooper in the slot? I don't like it leaving one on one with him. Cause he and Dak have built up that rapport to, you know, throw that back shoulder uh, type of play and connect on it. If they need to CD lamb kind of on in the slot there a little bit, how do you manage that um, and keep it, keep eyes on him. So it's going to be a stressful game for all of your cornerbacks. And then, especially with CD lamb, when he's going over the middle of the field for your linebackers and your safeties, keep tabs on him. He's kind of running those over routes, running those crossers, over the middle of the field and then you have amari on the outside you Now, if you're not bracketing him on one side of the field cd lamb is probably covered but then you got one-on-one with amari cooper vice versa if you don't really bracket or if, excuse me if you do bracket amari you probably have one guy assigned to cd over the middle um and that's just that's a problem
0: absolutely and you know the the way that the cowboys are built is kind of the dream for the vikings right like they ch- you, you try to have an efficient run ground game. That's going to churn up yards and specifically, you know, late in the game, be able to get those end of the game, first downs, that type of thing. You want that first and foremost. And really that's what, what Dallas did. They did their absolute best to get a great ground game and they paid the guy to be, you know, the face of the franchise, essentially. And Ezekiel, it's been fine. I mean, I think this year has been his first like above average year over the last what, three probably this is the first time that he's really seems healthy and you know doing playing to the best of his ability as we've seen him do in the past but the problem becomes is that you don't just have to stop ezekiel elliott like this isn't a team where you can load up eight or nine in the box and get away with it because you're gonna have you're gonna have matchup problems across the board you know in coverage then so which piece do you take away like if you're using the bill belichick method right of trying to take away your quote best player There isn't a definitive answer here. Like, it's pick your poison, truly. It's, okay, well, let's take CD out of the game. Let's dominate that X receiver. He's generally going to line up on the outside. Let's take away that entire, let's call it the left side of the field. Then you've got Ezekiel Elliott, you know, coming up in his, you know, seven, probably a seven-man front most of the time, four guys, three linebackers and a 4-3 base. And then you've got Amari Cooper one-on-one on the outside with, who is it probably? I mean, probably Bashad Breland realistically, or if he's in the slot and it's Mackenzie Alexander one-on-one, I don't like any of those matches. Mm-hmm. It's, it's very concerning, but the thing is here is that I don't necessarily think the Vikings win this game with great defense. This team, this game to me is more of a situational defense thing. Like you yeah. want to throw for 400 yards. Okay. But hold them to three. That's, stop them at that's the a
1: little bit of how they won against Dallas last that's time. The only
0: way you're going to win this, you're not going right. to, because uh, you basically like, You're not going to stop this offense. You can hope to slow it down, but slowing it down might still be 24 points. Ultimately, I mean, and we're we're going to get to this here when we talk about the Cowboys defense, but I mean, to me, this game is, can the defense keep you away from like 35? If the defense holds the Dallas Cowboys to between 21 and 30 points, somewhere in that margin, you're just going to have to accept the fact that this is one of those games where you paid Kirk Cousins all this money. You need him to show up a little bit more than usual. This is one of those games you're playing at home, so you've got that benefit. You're going to have the crowd noise behind you in that regard. Uh, you're going to be mostly healthy. Sounds like Dalvin Cook is at max, but whatever max health is for Dalvin Cook, you're going to have your four, you know, your three wide receivers and Osborne after his breakout game. Thielen's healthy. Jefferson's healthy. You've got all the pieces to the puzzle. You just need to block efficiently, which I have questions, of course. We always do. But the, this unit has been better than usual. And then you need to keep pace. Like, this mm-hmm. is – like, I know the quarterback position is not head-to-head Dak versus Kirk. But on the scoreboard this weekend, it comes down to how many points can Dak put up, how many can Kirk put up. Because neither one of these defense is going to be able to, like, completely hold the opposing offense, I don't think. So it comes down to who could score more points. And I think Dak's going to score a lot of them. I really do. But – that doesn't necessarily make me think that Kurt can't do the same.
1: That's what I'm, I'm also, I'm afraid of, but also I am weirdly optimistic about because I do think this team is equipped to keep up in a shootout provided that they need to be aggressive. Right. We've talked about that. How many times that it's, it's when the Vikings basically, it's when they're not aggressive. It's when they're not effective uh, throughout the whole season. You talk about, you go through the weeks, second half of games, they're trying to wind out the clock, whatever, it might be. And they get conservative. They're trying to play the time possession game that Mike Zimmer loves to play. And that's when they start becoming becoming ineffective. If it becomes a shootout type deal and the game flow is passed the ball down the field a ton, I do think Kirk could keep up in that game. And then like you said, it comes down to the defense coming up with the right stops at the right time, which actually happened in that previous Dallas game two years ago. They actually went nine for 15 on third down, but The key third down stops happened late and the Vikings just had enough of an edge. And then they got a key turnover in there too, an interception by Dak. And that was enough. So um, I, I'm with you. I don't see the Vikings stopping Dallas or even containing them. uh, But it's going to be, you know, if if the Vikings are to win this game, it's going to have to be a big, big prime time, uh, you know, franchise quarterback type performance by Kirk to carry his team over that, you know, probably 35 point mark almost. It's gonna have to be one of those games, and I think he can do it. Um, it's just, it's one of those. It's, it's going to be Dak versus Kirk in a shootout. I, I just, I can't get on board with Kirk winning that game at this point. But um, I don't know. It's going to be fun to watch. So I think it will be a very fun game to watch.
0: Absolutely, absolutely. I mean, this is this is as exciting of a ball game as you can find, right? Like this is fun for a national audience too. Yeah. This oh is, yeah. This isn't one of those games where it's just like, all right, we're watching because we're. Vikings. Well, and the Vikings
1: have objectively been in, I think. Five of their six games this year have been very fun.
0: Oh, we're fun a fun games. team to watch. Like, yeah, like we're the new Chargers. Apparently. It's always
1: fun in the last two minutes, you know, uh, which is great for the for. I'm sure NBC's loving that for Sunday night. So, I, I guess in terms of defending this team, like, who's the
0: weakest link? If you had to pick one, like, which one are I, I'm you? Gonna,
1: I, I'm gonna make them run the ball. I mean, I, yeah. I don't. I say that in a weird, like, you know, they have the number one offensive line in the NFL uh, on the ground. So, I, I, I say that. Uh, knowing that, I, I just would rather, I would rather Zeke run all over the Vikings and keep the keep the you know scoring down a little bit, and then maybe get the right third down stop here or there. Otherwise, if Dak gets in a rhythm early and starts throwing all over the place, I don't see him stopping. So, I would rather you know shut down the pass if you can, but of course that's easier said than done. So, and then ultimately third downs, I think you're going to be huge. Um, Dak's going to get his. Amari is going to get his CD's He's going to get his. Even Zeke's going to get his. But if he can get those right stops, force field goals, of that touchdowns, that's going to be huge, I think. And that might come down to one big pass rush from Everson Griffin or Daniel Hunter um, beating that great offensive line for Dallas when when it matters. So you got to get those big splash plays. Um, otherwise, I, I think Dallas could just run over this team.
0: Absolutely. You know, you look at the the position that this team puts the Vikings in defensively especially without Patrick Peterson is that they know they can get what they want too, right? Like they believe that they're going to win this battle in the trenches. And I think that it's fair to say that they probably have the better offensive line. We'll get to their defensive line, but you know, I think generally speaking, like they expect to win their one-on-one matchups basically across the board. So this is going to come down to two things, situational football, like we've talked about and Mike Zimmer being the better schemist if you will, calling the bluffs of Kellen Moore, the third,
1: the third down, you know, disguising but, and things yeah, like absolutely. that, the, the chess match between he and Kellen Moore will be very important and fun to watch too. Cause for, you know, we want to talk about Zimmer maybe losing to his fastball, things like that with how the defense performed last year, but they, Viking, the Vikings were still a top five defense last year on third down, which is all things considered pretty remarkable. And it still shows Zimmer can dial up a, a third down blitz or a third down disguise with the best of them still. So he's got to bring his a game there. Cause you know, Dak's really good at pre, you know, diagnosing some of that stuff, pre-snap making the right audible. Um, he kind of has the freedom to do some of those things and it's usually the right call. So there, there's a lot riding on Zimmer here too with in that perspective. So huge game. It has a lot of implications and it's going to have to be a big time performance from the Vikings.
0: Absolutely. So, Last thing I would say is that I would try to make Dak move around as well. Try to make sure he's uncomfortable, test that injury. Let's see
1: what the injury. Yeah. I mean, obviously not advocating for an injury, but we're advocating for testing the Vikings to, yeah. yeah, Make sure he's healthy.
0: You take advantage. I mean, here's the thing. Like injuries happen in the NFL. We all know it. It's like, no one wants anyone to get injured, but like if someone is hurting, yeah. Take advantage, take advantage of that. Like if, you know, every that's been football since the beginning of time, if someone's ankles hurting, you know, I, I'm not saying I like it. I'm not saying I approve of it. But people go the extra mile to step on that ankle or roll that ankle a little bit further when you're tackling them. I'm not saying it's right again, but that's football. And so this is a situation where it's like, you know, if, da- if Dak Press is going to try to move outside the pocket, make sure he pays for it. Right. Like if he's if he's not quite at his best moving the football around mobility wise, take advantage of that make him try to escape the pocket, force him to run on that leg, do everything you can to maximize the situation.
1: If that is, if they, if he is a little gimpy, then I mean, if you're Zimmer, you dial up as many blitzes and passing downs as you can. Right. I uh, just hope you guys can, you know, be you effective in press coverage right away, hold, you know, stay with their guys for the first couple of seconds. And then Dak's got to move around a little bit. So I don't know the severity of the injury. I'm not sure on that, but. Um, that, that's a, that's another point I didn't think of.
0: Yeah, absolutely. If you're going to blitz or if you're going to send extra pressure, you got to get home against this guy too. That's ultimately what it's going to come down to is I really think this is a situational football game. If you can keep this offense from scoring seven every time, make sure that when Mike McCarthy makes a ridiculous decision, you know, when he decides to punt from his own territory, you know, fourth and seven from, you know, the Vikings 43 or 45 or something ridiculous like Mm -hmm. that you got to take advantage of that opportunity. I mean, that's a time when, really, he shouldn't have been punting. And he's going to make some of those calls. I'm sure Mike Zimmer will, too, as we all know.
1: Which Um, Mike can mismanage this game more, you know?
0: That's the question, man. And, I mean, these things will matter. I really think it comes down to just a couple things one way or the other in this game. So, let's flip over to the defensive side for the Cowboys and kind of how the Vikings offensively will attack them here. Now, this defense has been solid, but they're interesting, right? They kind of remind me. And I feel like I always go back to like one or like whenever I'm like thinking of a defense, I'm always reminded of like one or like two or three different defenses from my past. Right. And it kind of reminds me of the opportunistic Saints defense that won the Super Bowl, where you've got a Trayvon Diggs who, I mean, by all accounts, is stupendous in terms of tracking yeah. the football, getting, you know, g- getting more yardage after intercepting it. I mean, he's got more interceptions than games played to date. Right. So he's fantastic at doing that. But, At the same time, like this is kind of a bend, but don't break defense. Trayvon Diggs, for every time he's intercepted a pass this year, and you literally saw the perfect microcosm of it the last time he was out on the field.
1: The Patriots game. Yeah, you can get one play pick six. The next play, they give up. He gives up a 70 yard touchdown to get the Patriots to lead right back. So, and I I, touching on that, the Cowboys defense is number two in the league in turnovers with 14. Right. Um, Meanwhile, they are. 28th in net yards per attempt allowed Um, and they are 18th in yards per carry allowed. So they're not a fantastic defense on a per play basis. They just make the big splash plays that matter and that's helped them win quite a bit this year. So from that sense, again, offensively you, you, I hesitate to say, be aggressive, be aggressive because that's where mistakes are kind of made sometimes but um, on the same, another flip side of that is that if you are aggressive against this defense while they're looking for that big splash play, you might be able to, you know, get the splash play yourself, right? Like the Kendrick Bourne touchdown at the end of that Patriots game that uh, maybe you don't get if you're conservative, you know? So I kind of, you know, and I'm always going to err on the side of aggressiveness. I don't think you beat a team like Dallas by playing the time possession game because they're just going to run up the score on you. So I think you let Kirk loose here. Um, and, your best bet probably to win this game is to have Kirk win that shootout against Dak. I think you have to let him try. At least you got the home crowd with you. You got that, that noise to potentially influence things and maybe create a, you know, the the right play at the end of the game, or maybe they have a turnover on their side of the ball, whatever. But I, I I can't see a scenario where playing that time of possession game, um, when you have a defense, that's trying to create turnover instead of trying to just stop you kind of like, that's their, their thing is creating turnovers, and I'm sure you know if they get one, they might. But you have to be able to also be aggressive about it and try to take advantage of them, trying to be op- opportunistic when they're going to be gambling and then leaving those windows for for big plays.
0: First and foremost, I think it's you know important to note here that Kirk Cousins has been about as good as he's ever been, at least in Minnesota, at protecting the football this season. Right? He's got three fumbles total, uh, two interceptions, so relative to what we've seen in the past where he's had a little bit of fumbleitis and he's been a little bit erratic with, you know, throwing the football. This is a pretty good addition of Kirk Cousins in terms of just field management. You know, it you get it's there's nothing wrong with being a game manager in that sense, right? Like you have to take your shots, sure, but also don't take the stupid shots, right? Like don't take the shot two on one to adam Thielen down the sideline because that effectively means that either osborne or jefferson probably has one-on-one coverage somewhere else so what i'm saying is i'm with drew be aggressive for sure i think all of us are, will agree right that you need to be aggressive in this football game you need to be eyeing probably 31 points at the minimum here so you need to be thinking points on every drive i'm thinking go for it on fourth and three basically from the vikings 40 on when you're on offense that's kind of the situation mm-hmm. i think this calls for for the vikings this game but at the same time don't do something stupid. Like don't do what Mike McCarthy did 2 weeks ago but, uh, going for it on what 4th and 12 from his own 27. Like be aggressive but don't be stupid. Like think think through the you know the situation that you have. When you're in Dallas's territory, right? You're on Dallas's 15, you got 4th and 2. That's a situation you got to try to get seven there. Have to. This is the type of game where you need to get seven in that situation. And if you fail, live with it. You're a defensive-minded head coach. You've got this, you know, team backed up to the 15. In theory, you're going to get the you're going to be getting the ball back in three downs if you do everything right. So you can't be afraid, but you also can't be stupid. Right? That's just it's just it's just you can't
1: you you play to win, play to win. And it sounds so dumb to make that point because everybody's playing that way. But the Vikings play more not to lose than they do to win. And then we've went over this hundreds of times, uh, so many times now. Um, going back to basically the whole Cousins era, it seems like. Um, this is a game that if they don't pull out all the stops to win this game, like you, I mean, we saw Detroit doing it with fake punts yeah, yeah. and onside kicks and stuff. Like, I'm not saying you got to do all these trick plays, but clearly they are trying to win that game. They are trying to grab the game by the horns, right? The Vikings do not have that approach or have not shown that approach yet this season. And it's nearly cost them two times back to back weeks. And they better have a kind of a more aggressive approach in this game, uh, or I will start losing faith in them, even if they do end up winning the game by some miracle. It's just, you, you, I want to see them go in there, grab a game by the horns. And, and even the Seattle game, when they did won that one, they were bleeding that one away. And, you know, where there were one pass interference call on Harrison Smith there, that probably should have been called away from having another nail biter there, too. So they need to be more aggressive. Uh, throughout the game flow, um, and really trying to grab the game by the horns and win, win the game, not just survive and play better than the other team. Because that sometimes that doesn't work, and the better team doesn't always win the game.
0: Absolutely. And then you look at the situation that the Vikings have too with this defense. And like, yes, there are some very strong playmakers here, but it's more individuals than across the board. Just in terms of like, like this is a team that wins with the individual play of Trayvon Diggs. Micah Parsons, and Randy Gregory, as far as I'm concerned. Those three guys, mm-hmm. they've been devastating this year in terms of you know, rushing the passer, creating turnovers, forcing the football into the hands of their own offense. So first and foremost, don't do that, right? Like, it can be very simple. Obviously, excuse me, I'm going to have to cough. <laughs>
1: <laughs> no way.
0: Sorry. Sorry, that's my bad. Um, this is a very professional show. So... <laughs> You've got you've got three guys that you basically have to keep the ball away from, right? It's going to be impossible to keep it away from Randy Gregory forever because he's pass rushing. But Trayvon Diggs, I'm not saying don't gamble ever, but I am saying don't take the stupid gamble.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I, I think there's there's going to be a way to manage this game. Again, Dallas is a very opportunistic defense. These guys are trained to, you know, they're going to go out for the football. They're going to try to jump routes, things like that. So, I hope Clint Kubiak, I hope Kirk Cousins, I hope that coaching staff is putting together a game plan to take advantage of that. Where I mean, these guys are still young. Trayvon Diggs is still a young player. Micah Parsons is still a rookie. So these guys are still trying to get acclimated into the league. We've seen that with like Marcus Peters, where for as many big splash plays as he's made and the money that that's made him, he's been torched, you know, for every time of that. So I would love to see the Vikings almost... I don't want to say attack Trayvon Diggs or go after him. Uh, I'm not saying he's a weak link, but I I would be kind of nice to maybe go after him with a couple of, uh, you know, underneath routes things like that, uh, and then kind of go for that double move on him because I do think someone like Jefferson could could torch him on that, and then get him back on his heels for a lot of the game. So I don't know. We're that's kind of me thinking out loud on uh, some ideas. If I was a coach, clearly I am not, but. Just an idea that because uh, I'm, I'm one of those that's like interception numbers, probably not the best indication on uh, a player, because that means guys are he's being thrown at. It's the and so teams numbers. he's being thrown at, which means the opposing team thinks that they can beat him.
0: And they have. So that's something to keep in mind. I mean, always know where Micah Parsons is. Keep in mind that Randy is gonna be coming off the edge and has been one of the best pass rushers in the NFL. Also, a great story, by the way. I mean, this is the dude that's been suspended multiple times for just, I believe, marijuana for the most part. So it's nice to see, you know, a guy that I don't want to say he's a you know perfect person by any means, but a guy that has screwed up in the past, now making the most out of it. That's just you know that's that's a great opportunity. And then lastly, here on this defense, J. Ron Curse has been good this year yeah. for the Dallas Cowboys defense. So he's back. Last time we saw him, he wasn't particularly happy with Mike Zimmer. So I'm sure that this is kind of a revenge game for him. And you have to imagine that Trayvon Diggs has probably got it somewhere in the back of his head that he wants to beat the Vikings because of how things ended up with Stefan too. So there might be some bad blood here. And I kind of hope there will be because I don't like the Cowboys and I don't want them to like us. So this could be a fun matchup. And I think it gets more entertaining when you have that escalated emotion.
1: Yeah. And I mean, one thing I'll add to Mike Zimmer has been relatively good, I think, against Mike McCarthy. Um last year, notwithstanding, I mean the the game at US Bank Stadium, Vikings defense depleted. He also did had uh Andy Dalton at quarterback. Uh but when Mike McCarthy was back in Green Bay, it seemed like Zimmer always had a way to kind of contain that Packers offense uh, for the most part. And so I mean I'm going back to 2015, 2016, 2017. 2018, it seemed like that Packers offense was always kind of contained. So um, I do have some, a little bit of confidence in that aspect of things, but at the end of the day, just be aggressive, be aggressive, pull out all the stops. This is a game for Minnesota Vikings. You're at home, you know, national TV audience. You're trying to make a name for yourself. You're trying to earn some, some respect around the league. As a a contender in the NFC, this is one that you got to win.
0: I mean, ultimately the question is just why not? Like, why not go forward here? this is a great opportunity and mm-hmm. let's just be real, like,
1: like, so here's the thing and another kind of to piggyback off of that, even the way that NFC is shaping up right now, like the Vikings, it's possible actually very possible the way things are shaking out. It's a very top heavy conference. You got basically four or five teams that are going to probably run the conference between Dallas, Tampa, green Bay, Arizona, you know, after that, there's not a really a six or seven seed that's kind of jumping up there to fill that spot. Chicago looks terrible, right? Um, uh, so I think the Vikings can, I mean, for as bad as I might, I mean, for as not on this team as I am, like I'm not super confident in this team right now, still, just by the way, they've not handled the end of the game the last couple of weeks. But I still feel very confident they will make the playoffs because that seven seed, that sixteen, that six seed doesn't seem like as of now there'll be a lot of competition for it. So with that said, why not be aggressive and try to get, you know, I mean, I they are gonna try to win the game, but you should be thinking of this as a must-win. Try to get that um definitely that big name for yourself, get that recognition, get that respect as a as a competitor, as a contender in this conference. You need that big win on your resume. And I think uh I think this could be that one. So um uh, this is again. Big big time game here.
0: This definitely holds a lot of weight just in terms of winning an NFC matchup against a playoff caliber opponent, right? Like it's not just the the respect issue here. It's also on paper. This is an important one, right? It's an NFC win, it's a win against a team that's probably gonna be above you in the conference, strength of victory, strength of schedule, all those different things. This is an important one here for the Vikes. And uh yeah, it's a it's a key opportunity here. So the you know, ultimately the question becomes: what do you think is gonna happen here? I mean, I think that we've made it clear that Dallas should be and is by the way, the favorite as far as Vegas is concerned. But do you think that like, does any part of you believe the Vikings can actually get this thing done?
1: Yeah. Um I, I'm not going to say it's not happening. You know, I'm more confident in this game for the Vikings than I have been in other games this season, uh, but I am going to pick Dallas to win this game. And it's just, I just, I think that offense is too good. Um, I, I know the Vikings offense can really get on fire. I just don't see them maintaining that aggressive philosophy that I'm talking about where they really let Kirk rip it. Um, and at the end of the day, I just think I, I don't have enough confidence in the Vikings to slow down this Cowboys offense. Even I mean, there's too much firepower over there. So I think Dallas wins this game, um, uh, much to the chagrin of myself and other Vikings fans.
0: So I, I kind of gone back and forth all week. Um, on this one, like, I think it's very obvious why Dallas would win this game, like why they should be the favorite. But we kept talking about that seven seed. The Vikings are the seven seed right now. Like, this is not a bad football team. It's just a, a frustratingly average team that can't get out of its own way sometimes. I'm going to bet against my own my against my own, you know, my better judgment here that the Vikings get this thing done. And that essentially is to say, that I think the Vikings are going to fluke into one here because I don't think that in terms of all around roster play, that Dallas is the weaker team here, but the Vikings are playing at home. Both teams are coming off of a bye, So there's a wash there, right? Like there's no advantage one way or the other, but you do have the opportunity for Kirk cousins to really get a feel for this game for two weeks. And, I'm going to put my stock in saying – and, again, I might be pissed come Monday when we're recording this next show saying, you know, I, I tried to believe in this guy and he didn't come through. That may happen. But I this is the game for me where I'm ready to do that. I'm ready to put my stock in Kirk Cousins. And, like, this is, this is the put your money where your mouth is thing. Like, the dude's getting paid $30 million. This is the game that you're made for. You're playing at home, primetime football, superior opponent. You're not supposed to win. Why not give it everything it got? Pull it yeah. out all the stops. I mean, this is
1: this is the game that everything about both Mike Zimmer's tenure with the Vikings and Kirk Cousins' tenure with the Vikings, everything tells us they shouldn't win this game just based right. on how they performed on whether it's national TV, whether it's against a better opponent than them, what whatever Playoff it is. Yeah. This is the game that they do not win, and so. It would be huge, I think, for them internally too—the confidence to be like, "Yep, okay, we can we can do this, and we can be a contender." And I, it would it would certainly shift my opinion of this team moving forward if they were able to get it done. But I just I just don't see it yet.
0: So I'll take Vikes. Drew is on with the Cowboys. That is our first pick of the week, and it is moneyline week because it's the end of October. So Drew and I will be specifying one individual matchup that's worth, quote, five points as opposed to the regular one as with every other individual matchup across the board here. So we'll split on the first one. That's the first time, I believe, that we haven't been on the same page for the Vikings game this season. Uh, that brings us to Thursday's game, which is a on paper sounds awesome, right, in Arizona and Green Bay. Green Bay heading down to Arizona, uh, you know, an opportunity for the Vikings to gain, gain some ground, right, just adding more you know, potential fodder to why the Vikings should beat the Dallas Cowboys. Uh, green Bay is going to be without Devante Adams for sure. going to be without Alan Lazard for sure. Um, it sounds like JJ Watt is out for the Cowboys or excuse me for the Cardinals for sure. Um, uh, so you're not going to get all the star power that you kind of expected, but this still should be a pretty fun one.
1: Yeah. Um, I'm going to kind of go on the limb here. Um, I'm going to go green Bay, and you know what, screw it. I'll make it my money line pick too. Um, I just I for as you know I am just not buying Arizona yet. I I I am not and I don't know if that's a hot take or not. You know, they've had some pretty darn good wins on their slate, you know, they obviously dominated the Rams at their place, beat the Browns pretty handily. Um but I just I just don't see it yet and I see I feel like this is one of those games where Rodgers kind of just turns it on, despite the fact that he's going to be without Devontae Adams. Um, you know, he's six and zero in his career without Devonte in the starting lineup due to injuries or whatever the other concerns. So on a short week, I kind of always want to give the edge to the more experienced team. Rodgers is gonna have that edge there, how to deal with that Thursday short week. I'm gonna go Packers here. Um, might be dumb. I'm gonna go, I'm gonna go with it though.
0: I mean, you make a compelling case, and I think it's fair to say that if, you know, Green Bay was fully loaded here, that this is probably a matchup I might lead. It'd be a
1: really fun game, and I, I think this will be fun anyway. Um, right. I just – my fantasy team, obviously, gonna be hurting without
0: Devontae, but – Might as well, and I also have Aaron Rodgers, too, so I'm kind of hoping for, you know, that game, right? Uh, the thing is with Aaron Rodgers I'm, – I'm picking Arizona, but the thing I, the thing is with Aaron Rodgers is that he doesn't crumble – when the guys around him aren't on the field, he still got Randall Cobb, and that's probably enough for him to you know throw the ball for 300 yards. This
1: I do remember last year, it was at New Orleans, I believe, was when the Packers were without Devontae Adams, and the Saints at the time were you know flying high, uh, and kind of nobody expected the Packers to. I mean, there were there was people thinking they could win, but it was one of those where they weren't favored, and Packers in there just blew them out. Um, so it was, it's one of those where I'm not saying that's going to happen, but it's just, I just, I think Rogers is well-equipped to handle this. And I don't think they're going to be hurting as much as people think by, you know, the injuries and the, the players being out.
0: All right. So we are two for two on splits. I'm on Arizona. You are on green Bay with your money line pick of the month. Uh, Carolina-Atlanta is the next one up here in NFC South matchup. Sam Darnold faces off with Matt Ryan and Kyle Pitts and the very exciting all-of-a-sudden uh, offense that is, the, that is the Atlanta Falcons. Who you got in this one?
1: I got the Falcons. Uh, the Panthers look poopy uh, lately. <laughs> Sam Darnold got benched. Um, and, you know, the Falcons offense the last three weeks has actually been pretty darn solid. It's been fun. Matt it's Ryan's cool. been been slinging it well. Kyle Pitts has w- waken up. Um, and he looks like he's not even really a tight end. He's just a really tall, athletic, lanky receiver who is, you know, a freak now. So they're trying to, they're finally figuring out what he is. And I mean, yeah, Falcons are going to, I think they're going to crush him. I'm taking them in the spread too.
0: I'm taking Atlanta on this one too. I can't confidently pick Carolina in anything. Like they are the classic three and O team that just completely fell apart. Right. Um, without Christian McCaffrey, they can't get anything done. I kind of want to see PJ Walker, honestly. Like, I don't see – why wouldn't you yeah. give him a shot? I mean, shot? hot seat,
1: too, is Joe Brady here because, I mean, how many people have been talking about him? as this genius play caller.
0: Yeah, it doesn't look it's, that way it, right it's now. Been,
1: it's been rough the last few weeks.
0: Absolutely. So, Atlanta for both of us. Next one here, we move to the AFC North. That is Miami and Buffalo. Uh, I, I don't think we really need to discuss this one a whole lot. No, uh, not nah, nah, Bills. AFC, dolphins sorry. are bad. Dolphins are bad. Yeah, Dolphins are bad. I'm going Buffalo. They're try- still trying to trade for Deshaun Watson, which – I don't even know. That's a whole different discussion, but they clearly Mm -hmm. have no confidence into us. So uh, Buffalo for both of us, San Francisco and Chicago is the next one here. Another battle of pretty bad football teams. I mean, based off recent memory, this is not, I don't
1: know how much longer Matt Nagy has. I mean, if if he loses this game at home to a two and four team,
0: I think he's good. I would
1: imagine that's going to be near the end. Uh, And I'm taking the Niners because whatever happened in Tampa, was disgusting. Uh so I'm taking the Niners here. Um and I hope I mean for the sake of the Vikings, I hope Matt Nagy's job is very secure, but I feel like he's on his way out.
0: Yeah, I'm taking San Francisco too. There's no way in hell I'd pick the Bears right now. Justin Fields looks like he's completely disinterested. Um not because he's not happy to be playing football, but because his offense is being called Completely ineffectively for his. The
1: fact that there are true, like, there is a very large contingent of Bears fans that seem to believe Nagy is like sabotaging fields because of how bad the offense is set right. up for him. Like, that's that should speak volumes. And not that I think Nagy's actually doing that, but it just, it's just, there's no way it should be going this poorly. With the talent Fields has and there are some weapons. Allen Robinson is getting like four targets a game. Why yeah. So
0: that was what I was gonna say. Like how the hell have like, you allowed this just, guy to not be a factor at all? This is I, yeah,
1: I gross I no idea. practice. I have no idea.
0: All right. So both of us are rolling San Francisco. That brings us to Pittsburgh and Cleveland. Uh Pittsburgh. Kind of not looking great, Cleveland. there also not looking great. We don't even know if Baker Mayfield's going to play this game. I'm going to guess no. So it's probably going to be Case Keenum against old hobbled Ben Roethlisberger this week. Who you taking in that one?
1: Case Keenum or big or Baker? I'm taking the Browns. I like the Browns. I think they match up well with Pittsburgh in the sense that like Pittsburgh kind of can can get you with the pass rush. Um, but if they just run the ball down their throats, I think that's kind of the way it's weird because I'm always kind of, Hey, pass the ball, pass the ball. But this Browns rushing attack is something else. Um, when Deartis Johnson can go in there, against a really good Denver defense and, you know, rush for 22 carries 146 yards, like it was nothing. So I'll take the Browns.
0: That's a, that's the power of winning in the trenches right there. And honestly, I mean, I flipped my pick last week when I saw that Mayfield was out and now I don't really think it matters. I think Case Keenum can probably run that offense not as effectively but close proficiency, or like a winning proficiency certainly. So, I'll take Cleveland as well. I also think the Steelers are straight up bad. I think they might be the they worst are. in the AFC North. So, uh, I'm taking Cleveland there. Um, next one here is Philly and Detroit. This is a fun one for me because it is my money line pick officially fix uh, officially. If you remember, if you were listening at that time, I also took Detroit about a month ago at this time. and said the same thing was going to happen that they get a win over an opponent that was favored by Vegas over them. That did not happen. Detroit still zero and seven, but if you're going to, like if you're going to win a game to me, this is as winnable of a football game as you are going to find on your, you know, NFC North, um, you know, schedule for the Detroit Lions.
1: I, I'm taking the Lions too, uh, but I, I'm not as confident as I am in the Packers. I just, I'm not going to do that with, an, with a team that's winless, but I do think like Philly's not that good, man. They're just not. Um, so if they, you're right. This, if, they're, if Detroit's going to win a game, this is the one.
0: I think I read that 81% of the offense for Philadelphia runs through Jalen Hurts, who is an average quarterback, I would say. I mean, that's your number one problem. Now you got Miles Sanders hurt, by the way. He barely used him all season long, and now he's hurt. Uh, You know, nothing seems to be quite going right for Philadelphia. And I think that Detroit, you know, for all their flaws, uh, they certainly play hard. And like you said earlier on the show, they certainly play to win too. So uh, for me, this is is the opportunity. I'm double downing on – excuse me, I'm doubling down on the Detroit Lions – Hopefully they get it right for me this week. They are my money line pick. So we'll both roll with Detroit. A little bit more important for me on that one. All right. The next one here, we had to the AFC South. That is Tennessee and Indianapolis. Tennessee, as we noted prior to this, actually slightly, slightly underdog um, in mm-hmm. this matchup with the Colts because they are playing in Indianapolis. Uh, but it is as close to about an even matchup you know, from Vegas' standpoint, um, as you're going to find.
1: Yeah, the Titans are rolling now. I mean, they just beat... Buffalo and the Chiefs back to back weeks. Yeah, I I've been a Titans guy. Uh, they're just they fluctuate. So I mean, they're they're the team that could lose to the New York Jets one week and then a couple weeks later beat Buffalo, who was perceived at the time as the best team in the league. So uh, I'm going to take Tennessee. All the Colts are playing really well right now.
0: Absolutely, yeah. Indianapolis seems like they're coming back. Uh, Carson Wentz is sort of finding that second life here. Uh, it seems like they're, you know, playing good football. But I'm with you; it's hard to bet against Tennessee. I mean, the, the number one thing that people say is as to why Tennessee can't win football games is because they're too reliant on Derrick Henry and that they can't keep up with a high-powered passing offense. Well. They just did that two weeks in a row against maybe the two best quarterbacks. Yeah, I mean last week, they, last offense. week Derrick
1: Henry wasn't that effective on the
0: ground. Oh, no, he wasn't. He
1: had like twenty eight carries for ninety yards, like barely three yards a carry, and they still dominated. So the fact that they that's a well rounded win that gives that should be very confidence boosting for them.
0: Absolutely. I'm going to take Tennessee. Uh, AJ Brown's also seems to be finding it um, as well. So good time to pick them. Uh, both of us, Tennessee over Indianapolis. It uh, brings us to one. We probably don't need to discuss a whole lot. And that is the Cincinnati Bengal Bengals against the New York jets. I think no, at I the know. beginning of the season, there would have been some question marks. As to I believe in
1: the Bengals. I do. I, do I mean, that win over the Ravens has totally convinced me. I think they're a real contender.
0: And how great is Joe Burrow? I know we talked about this when he was drafted. I know we talked about this before he was drafted. Uh, I mean, that's just such a great person to have as your rock for the next 15 years. Mm-hmm. I mean, hopefully he stays healthy with the way that he plays, but my goodness, I really so hope fun. so too. The way that he talks to his teammates too, like all the clips you see on you know your t- Twitter timeline or whatever, he just seems like the perfect you know guy to be the face of a franchise. It kind of sucks that they ended up in Cincinnati, at least from a marketing standpoint, for sure. Uh, but man, he's got them heading in the right direction They're, I, I, I bet they stomp the Jets this week. Both of us are roll with Cincinnati. Mm -hmm. Next one here. uh, I don't think we need to talk about this one either. The Rams at Houston Rams only lost one game. Houston's only won one game Rams for both of us, which brings us to new England and the Los Angeles chargers. The other LA team here who has floundered a bit in recent weeks and has shown uh, maybe, you know, some potential weak spots. Uh, The defense has some question marks, but you are playing against a rookie quarterback in Mac Jones in new England, who, you know, coming off a 50 point performance against the jets They've also had a couple of you know clunkers of themselves. Uh if the Chargers are going to win, take advantage of the Chiefs in the West, get back into it with the Raiders. Uh this is definitely a game that they need.
1: Yeah, I got I got the Chargers here. Um I I still don't quite believe in the Patriots and Mac Jones quite yet. I do
0: believe in the Chargers, though. Yeah, I believe in the Chargers as well. I mean, we talked about it earlier this year that they've kind of evolved from being that team that plays, you know, allows themselves to lose games by allowing for the opportunity for their opposition to get back into it. They seems to have fixed that, you know, issue. Anytime you're playing Bill Belichick, it's not there's no guarantees, but I think they have the more well-rounded roster. I think they got have have a better quarterback for sure, and I'll mm-hmm. take the Chargers too. Which brings us to Jacksonville and Seattle. Um, I mean, <laughs> it's just funny because with Russell Wilson in there I think it's pretty I think we pretty confidently pick Seattle but with Geno Smith in there I'm pretty confidently leading Jacksonville despite all of the the madness that goes down there down there
1: Yeah uh I mean it's another one where uh, this I I kind of screw it yeah give me Jacksonville I mean Geno just doesn't look I mean again it was one of those games if you look at the numbers last night he was it was totally a Christian Ponder performance if you take away like one of those bad Potter performances where it's like 12 for 25 for like 60 yards. That's what it would have been if without that 84 yard touchdown to DK. So I'm going Jags here.
0: Yeah. They, the Seattle clearly has no confidence in its quarterback and why should they really? I mean, he's he's led what one touchdown drive thus far um, outside of that Metcalf, you know, 84 yard touchdown mm-hmm. or whatever it was. Um, one of the best, you know, indicators of whether a quarterback is, you know, has the potential to compete, you know, as an actual passer of the football, is the target spread of their primary receivers, and man, it just it gets cut in half for Metcalf and Lockett when Geno Smith is in there versus when Wilson's in there. So, I'm pretty confident here. I'm taking Jacksonville. Um, I did I did not think those words were going to come out of my mouth this season, but here mm-hmm. we are. Uh, that brings us to Washington and Denver. Uh, Washington has not been the team that I think a lot of us hoped they would be. Denver. Again, same thing as Carolina, completely falling apart since the 3 0 start. They look gross, like disgusting, terrible.
1: Disgusting. Yeah, I, uh, I kind of, I'm kind of with you on that. Uh, but so, Washington last week was outstandingly bad in the red zone. Um, moved the ball really well against Green Bay. Uh, I'm going to go with Heineke here over Bridgewater, which, again, another, by the way, rematch of former Vikings quarterbacks. Uh, I'm gonna go Heineke just because I think Washington's offense is a little bit more high powered and capable of putting up the points needed than the Broncos. That's
0: pretty funny to think about, by the way. I had never put added Taylor Heineke onto that equation, but
1: yeah, seriously, what are,
0: all three quarterbacks on the Vikings roster in 2017 are now starting quarterbacks in the NFL in 2021 Bridgewater, Keenum, and of course, Heineke. Mm-hmm. We're talking about here. Um, I'm gonna take Washington as well. I think Denver just sucks, there's no Von Miller there. Um, I, my goodness, Cleveland just made them look gross then that I know it's a Thursday night matchup, but to Ernest Johnson, like he looked really good. Don't get me wrong. He looked really good. But how do you allow 150 yards from a guy that no one knew three hours before Mm -hmm. Uh, Denver looks bad. I'm taking, I'm taking Washington despite their woes as well which brings us to a pretty solid NFC South matchup. This one should be fun. Tampa Bay heads to New Orleans in the Superdome. Tom Brady, of course, facing off against Jameis Winston. Uh, Not quite the Drew Brees matchup of the last couple of years, but still should be a pretty fun one. New Orleans boasts a pretty strong defense. It sounds like there will be no Antonio Brown for the foreseeable future and definitively not in this game. Uh, What do you got in this one?
1: I got Tampa Bay. I mean, I'm going to take Tampa Bay right now over most teams. The Saints haven't really done enough to convince me that they're a legit contender. So I'll go with Tampa.
0: Yeah. I'm going to take Tampa Bay as well. They've kind of replaced Kansas city as the default pick. Like it doesn't matter who they're playing. They are the better football team. That's just who they look like. like. I mean, they're hurt right now too. There's no Antoine Winfield out there. They're down to what? They're like sixth and seventh cornerbacks. They pulled Richard Sherman off the street and he's not even playing. And yet they're still playing great defensively. They get Levante David back this week too. I mean, I like this team and I think they are, you know, they're as close to a favorite as the NFC has right now, you know, outside of the Cardinals uh, to, you know, to get to that NFC championship game. So I'm going to take Tampa Bay. Uh, I think that, you know, they're they're the better team straight up mm-hmm. and they've got the better quarterback for sure, which is never, you know, something that you want. I, I'll just say this as I always do. You never bet against Tom Brady. Like if it's yeah. a toss up, just go with Tom Brady. So I'm going Tampa Bay here. Uh, last one here, Monday night football, the giants had to, Kansas City to fit take on the Chiefs, and my goodness, I'm taking Kansas City. But if they blow this one, it's over. Like I, I'm, I'm like I'm in. They're in real trouble if they lose to Daniel Jones and what? Who do they have out there at wide receiver right now? Is it is it Slayton? Is that their number uh, one?
1: Dante. Dante Pettis. Pettis?
0: They're yeah. on wide receivers four and five with Daniel Jones slinging it. If Kansas City loses at home, my god, and
1: they, they might trade Evan Ingram ball. to make Kyle Rudolph tight end one. So. But yeah, I, I mean you're right. And I said it, I, I said it the first like four weeks of the year. I was like, I'm picking the Chiefs against anybody, no matter what. Right. That that strategy has very much gone wrong for me. Uh, yeah, I'm with you. One more chance here for the Chiefs. Otherwise, man, it, it doesn't look good. Uh, that defense is quite bad, and then Mahomes is really pressing offensively. Like it's weird because I I keep seeing numbers that the Chiefs offense is like. Convert like generating first downs. Like they're with this series of downs, they get a first down for the next series more often than any offense in the league. It's just that they're turning it over at so at such inopportune times, right? Whether it's a fumble, whether it's a pick, whatever it is, that it's they're not re- like last week. It didn't result in any points, but they turned it over so much. So they're moving the ball fine. It's just getting Mahomes to settle down, not force the issue, and take what's there. And I'm sure they'll you know, run over that stuff this week. And I think it could be one of those big time
0: blowouts. Yeah. This, this should be, you know, the comeback game, right? Where the, yeah, the back bounce to, back game. Yeah. They get back to 500 and, you know, they kind of start, you know, getting in, getting their mojo back a little bit. I mean, it's clear who the better team is, right? Like Kansas city is the more Kansas city is still a super bowl roster, despite their defensive woes. They just got to start playing together better. Right. Right. And the turnovers have to stop coming at the wrong time. They got to stop dropping. Like it's probably four passes from Mahomes this year that have been dropped into the hands of an opposing receiver. Like it's mm-hmm. not, I'm not saying that he's not at fault, uh, but they just got to start like, they're- I mean, he's
1: certainly forcing the issue. Like he's, he's getting to a little bit of, you saw that with uh, kind of Rodgers a couple of years ago where it seemed like he's always trying to kind of extend the play into something more than it's going to pan out to be. Um, okay. So and Mahomes certainly has done that in his career to a you know at a very high level where he's made plays out of nothing. But it's just the odds. It. It's part of yeah. what makes It's just great. like now he's kind of made that go too far, uh, too much of his game where his offensive linemen of are very inexperienced and it, it goes haywire a little bit too much. Yeah.
0: Yep. But we're both rolling with Kansas City, and that ro- rounds out our picks for the week. As it stands today, I'm 73 and 34. Drew, 64 and 93, nine games behind. Uh, opportunity here, of course, with that money line pick to get back right back into it real quick here. Um, Go so Packers, I-, I guess. I, I guess. Yeah. I mean, I have two of them on my fantasy team, so I've kind of been, like, sequ- yeah. not rooting for them to win, but rooting for their two best players, which kind of in turn...
1: Yeah, it is kind of rooting for them, yeah.
0: Yeah, yeah. So, um, all right. Uh, anything we missed? Is there anything that we did not cover? I know we took a couple shots at Mike McCarthy. Did we get enough of those in here for you know for we your... Didn't. Uh- we didn't.
1: We um, didn't. I did want to say this. So, we talked about the Mike's mismanaging the game the most. I recently watched back the Vikings-Packers game week two of 2018. This is the one where Daniel Carlson missed all those field goals. The Packers intercepted cousins. It was a pass right after Treadwell's hands Um, with like two minutes left in the game. They were up by five at the time and they needed basically one first down to win the game. Vikings had one timeout left and a two minute warning. And so, what happened was the packers ran the ball first viking's called a timeout or maybe it was two minute warning after that i think that's a two minute warning so a second down packers went long developing pass play incomplete throwaway uh deep shot to the end zone for devonte adams incomplete Vikings saved the timeout packers kicked that field goal to go 29-21 and the vikings go on the field with all that time score a touchdown overtime i hope mike mccarthy makes a similar mistake in his game management this week where he gives the opposing team, the Vikings, more chances than they really should have at any point. So kudos to Mike McCarthy for that game. I was watching that uh, earlier this week. I saw that. I laughed at him a little bit more, uh, and I always like laughing at him. So,
0: Ultimately, this might come down to one bad decision one way or the other. We've talked about it. I mean, it's going to come down to one bad gamble, one bad Mm -hmm. turnover, one bad decision. Uh, Let's hope the Vikings are on the right end of those uh, moments here coming up on Sunday night football this weekend. Um, like we said a million times, this is a big one. And if they get this thing done uh, next week, looks like a lot, looks a lot more fun. And on the flip side of that, if you move to three and four, well, I wouldn't say that next episode will be doom and gloom, but it certainly will not be as happy as if this team is Correct. going to come over, uh, overcome a lot and uh, get this upset this weekend. So Skull Vikes, uh wishing them the best this weekend. Hopefully they'll at the very least give us an, it'll be fun. Game to watch it'll be fun. Football. Absolutely. Uh For us, iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, Google Play, wherever else you listen to your podcast, you'll be able to find us in the Daily Norseman as well. Make sure to check out the rest of the Climbing the Pocket team. Uh, we got shows five days a week, a couple po- podcasts mixed in there as well. So if you don't like Drew and myself, there might be someone on the team that you do. So make sure to check that out. And then, of course, our home base is Daily Norsemen. They put out great content every single day throughout the day. Uh, so make sure that you're checking that out. So with all that being said, uh, wishing the Vikes the best this weekend. Um, and whether they win or lose, we'll be back for you next week. So uh, thanks for listening to the show, and we'll catch you guys then.